Welcome to podcast number 154 of Quality Christian Living. I am your host, David Friend. As you've been listening into our podcast recently, you've noticed that we're in a series on prosperity. Today, we're going to be talking specifically about financial prosperity. In the prior podcast, we talked about subjects like spiritual prosperity leading to financial prosperity, and that we should prosper in all things and be in good health even as our soul prospers. We've also talked about prosperity is far more than just money, and I agree with that and believe in that. But today, I want to focus directly just on financial prosperity. How can we receive more in our finances and be blessed? So we're going to get into that in just a second. Today's podcast is entitled, How to Set Up a Plan to Prosper Financially. But before we get into that, we always need to pray and invite the Holy Spirit to guide and direct. Father, I thank you for the opportunity I have to bring this podcast at this time to those who are listening in. I pray that you would bless it and that you would anoint it and that you would help me to teach those topics, Lord, and to stress those areas to help people to understand the importance of setting up a financial plan to prosperity. I pray that you would bless them. I pray that the Holy Spirit would take over now and take control. I surrender to you. I submit to you and I ask for your divine intervention in everything that's said and done. I spent a lot of time in prayer and studying, probably spent more time on this podcast and preparation than I have in many others. And I just believe that because of that, Lord, you're going to do something very special. So we believe for your anointing to take over. So we give you all the praise for it in advance. And we call forth those things that are not as though they are in the area of our finances. Well, thank you for it now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In this podcast, I will provide you with seven proven steps to prosper in your finances. This would be a good time maybe to give a little bit of my background to you to maybe understand why I feel this is so important. First of all, I'm a Christian. I'm a born-again believer. I pastored a church for 20 years. Prior to that, I was a real estate developer for about 15 years. Prior to that, I was a banker for approximately 15 years. And during that period of time, I had the opportunity to speak to a lot of people about their finances. So with that, I'm going to emphasize seven today. I know I could give you a lot more, but I'm just going to focus on these seven and see if that won't help you in understanding the significant way to plan to prosper financially. Now, to be successful in almost anything, we must establish a plan of action. The Bible tells us that a man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. As a banker, entrepreneur, and pastor, I have helped many individuals set up a plan for financial success. Everyone that I know would like to increase their finances. And I'm sure you feel probably the same way that you'd like to see an increase in your finances. If I was in the church right now preaching like I did for about 20 years, I would ask people to raise your hand. How many out there would like to see an increase in your finances? And probably 95% of the people would raise their hand. Now, people need more money just to pay their bills or to improve a home or give money to their church are thousands of other reasons why they need more in their finances. There is a countless number of reasons that we may need to increase our finances. Now, I realize that there are people who think that seeking a financial blessing is not being very spiritual. Well, I believe wanting to be blessed is spiritual. Jesus wants us to live the abundant life. God's word speaks on prosperity often. As a matter of fact, let me remind you that one-sixth of the entire Bible talks about money, possessions, the proper or improper use of money and or possessions. The Bible wants us to avoid the love of money and to 
understand that we should always put God above our finances and our desire to receive financial blessing. Now, let's maybe get a little bit further into that statement I made, which is love of money. What does it mean to love money? Let me give you a couple thoughts. Here are my ideas on that question. Do you think about money more than anything else in your life? If you do, then you probably are having a struggle between putting more favor and attention and direction on God than you do on your finances? Do you put increasing your finances higher than giving to your church or to those in need? In your marriage, are your discussions about money a constant irritation? You know, I should probably stop here for a second because there's a lot of people in their marriages struggle with finances. Matter of fact, I've read recently that the number one reason that people give for divorce is a failure in the area of their finances. And I've read that it's said that women are probably four times more likely to forgive a husband of infidelity than they are of financial failure. So we've got some problems to deal with here. And I think that's one of the reasons we need to talk about this. I'll be doing a podcast in the future dealing with finances specifically in the area of marriage. I hope that'll be of help to you. But in this podcast, here is the best way to understand what the love of money is all about. We're going to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6 verses 9 and 10 in the New Living Translation. This particular chapter in the book of 1 Timothy is entitled, has to deal with false teaching and true riches. So I'm going to give you just a couple of verses in there. It's found in verse number 9, 1 Timothy chapter 6. But people who long to be rich fall into temptations and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. I guess that pretty much defines the problem with loving money more than we love God. And to review that very quickly, it says, but people who long to be rich, you know, if that's in your heart right now, you need to pray to ask God to help you with that because we should not long for anything other than a closer walk with God and relationship with Him. Our longing should be for God, His guidance, His direction, His wisdom, His protection. We should long for our husband or our wife. We should long to be with them, a desire to be with them. But those who long to be rich, it says, fall into temptation. And that's bad enough because temptation is not sin, but then it says into temptations and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires. So you see, what that might refer to, and I believe it does, is the area of taking hasty speculation, going out there on a limb and trying to make a lot of money overnight and taking great risk and great challenges with your finances, putting your family in trouble because you just want more than anything else to get rich. And so you take great risk. It's like going to Las Vegas and throwing your life savings of $100,000 on some kind of a betting table and losing it all and walking away and having to start all over again. That's being trapped by many foolish and harmful desires. And it says, plunge them into ruin. It basically destroys their life. It says, and destruction. So therefore, seeking money and nothing else is going to destroy us. For the love of money is the root. Now, money is not evil. Money in itself. No, because God talks about money, wanting to bless us with money, wanting to bless us with finances. We need money to pay our bills. We need money to build buildings and to be able to take care of our particular needs. So money itself is not evil, but the love of money is the root 
of all kinds of evil. And some people, it says, craving money, that means that's their desire. That's all they think about. And we all know people like that. We all know people that you sit down with them to have a cup of coffee or go to lunch with them. And 98% of the conversation is about money and finance and money and money and money. And that's a dangerous mindset to have because it will take away our desire to seek God rather than seek finances. It says some people craving money have wandered from the true faith. They basically put their faith now in their finances. That's why it's the root of all kinds of evil. So I'm not trying to destroy money because I believe we need it. We've got to have it. And I'm talking about how you can make more of it. But I want you to make more of it and then use it properly and seek it properly as you seek God first. And then it says, pierce themselves with many sorrows. So it's obvious that God is warning us to avoid the love of money. And I spend a little time on that because I think it's crucial that we understand this is not a series of podcasts dealing with how to get rich quick or how to make lots of money and be richer than the next guy. That's not my purpose at all. I want God to bless you and I want you to set up a plan to prosper financially so that when you do prosper financially, you'll be in a position that you'll have put God first, your family right after that, and you wait and see how God's going to bless that. He can't help but to bless it because his word says that he will. Now, I realize that some may be wondering why they struggle in the areas of money because a lot of people do. They just do. And let me give you a couple of thoughts on that. The answer is that they may not have a Bible-directed plan to succeed financially. Following are my seven steps to plan a prosperous financial life. Now, I could give you dozens of steps, maybe hundreds of steps. And as we continue through these podcasts, there will be additional comments and steps that'll take place. But I'm going to focus today on just giving you seven steps because it's manageable for almost everyone. So let's focus on my seven most vital steps to take for financial prosperity. All right, here we go. Step number one is found in the book of Proverbs, chapter 28 and verse 25. I'm reading in the New Living Translation, and it says here, greed causes fighting. Well, we know that. A greedy person basically is a person who just cannot be happy and not be content with anything. But then it says here, trusting the Lord leads to prosperity. So it's a matter of trust. In order to have a good financial plan, in order to have a plan for prosperity, we need to put God first. We need to trust Him. We need to put all of our hope, all of our faith, and all of our trust in Him. When we trust Him with all of our heart, then I'm telling you, we're going to be blessed. God is going to bless those who look at him and seek him because they trust him. And I believe that's the first step in our plan to succeed financially. Step number two, seek counsel with a Bible-based counselor. So with that, I'm going to read a couple scriptures because we need to understand what I mean by a Bible-based counselor. My first reference is in Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 22. Once again, the New Living Translation where it says this, plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Now, it's important that we understand what that scripture is telling us, and that is that we may have a plan, but they can go bad if we haven't set them up with good advice and build a great foundation to have a good financial plan. It's one thing to have a plan, but it's got to be a plan that's been set up with other people to help us develop a plan that will help us to prosper financially. Let me read Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14, New Living Translation. Without wise leadership, a nation falls. There is safety in having many counselors. Let me read you another scripture found in the book of Psalms, chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. This gives us some guidelines for the type of counselor we should have. Once again, Psalm chapter 
1 verses 1 through 6, New Living Translation. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. All right, that's good. That's a good point. Or stand around with sinners also good, or joining with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Those are the people that we should seek counsel from. They are like trees planted along the riverbanks, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. I think I want to get counsel from people like that. Verse 4, but the wicked, they are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Now, this is important. Some people will run to a person for financial advice because they drive an expensive car and they have a lot of gold jewelry on them and they have a big expensive home, but they don't check into their spiritual standing. So we should never seek counsel from someone who is not solid in their relationship with God and that they trust in their riches rather than God's word. And if they try to give you counsel without seeking instruction from the word of God, I would run from them. I'd stay away from them because God doesn't want us to be around people that bring in that type of influence in our life. Now, why is counsel are those with experience and knowledge to make good decisions based on the word of God, that is. Godly counsel is to base actions on God's wisdom and his instructions. Let me give an example of how to make a good decision in your finances and how to get good counseling. It's found in the book of Proverbs chapter 22 and verses 26 and 27. Here's some good counsel for you. Now I'm sure most of you at one time or another have heard or have been asked about people guaranteeing loans for someone else. You know, would you please sign this note for me and guarantee it for me because I'll pay it back later or whatever it might be. And the Bible has instructions on that. You might say, well, how does the Bible have instructions on whether we should guarantee a loan today? Well, it does. And it's found in the book of Proverbs chapter 22 and verses 26 and 27. I'm reading in the New Living Translation. Don't agree to guarantee another person's debt or put up security for someone else. If you can't pay it, even your bed will be snatched from under you. Now, what that's telling us, now that's interesting. That's a That scripture was written thousands of years ago. And think about the wisdom in that scripture. What it's telling us is not to guarantee someone else's loan. Now you might say, well, what if I have a son or a mom or somebody that that I'm trying to help and trying to be sure that they get by? Well, that's a little different. But on the other hand, I would be very careful in guaranteeing a loan for anyone. And here's why. Let's say you have a good friend that comes to you and they're buying a car, but they their credit is terrible and they need someone else to guarantee the loan and sign with you. And they tell you, don't worry, I'll make the payments, no problem. And so you say, okay, fine. And so you guarantee their loan. So now a few months go by and all of a sudden you get a call from the lender on that loan and they're saying, the loan that you guaranteed, the person's past due and they're not making the payments and we want you to pay. Now, all of a sudden, that friendship has a problem. That friendship now has an attack on it whereby that person, they may have meant well, they may have intended to do well and they were embarrassed they couldn't make the loan. But instead of coming to you and saying, hey, I'm having trouble with that loan, they just didn't make it and now you become liable for it. What did verse number 27 says? If you can't pay it, even your bed will be snatched from under you. You can destroy your credit by guaranteeing loans for other people who cannot make the payments or they don't make the payments or they're just flippant about it and just basically think, well, no big deal. I'll catch up later on it. That's not how a loan works. So the Bible warns us there's advice there and that's good godly counsel when it comes to making decision to guarantee a loan. If at all possible, 
Don't do it. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't help someone, a friend or someone or a family member that's in need. But if someone in my family came to me and said, would you guarantee this loan? I would prefer to say, no, what I'll do is I'll get the loan in my own name and I'll make the payments and then you pay me. That way you see my credit's being protected and I will know if that person's going to be making their payments or not. You're not walking away from someone in need, but you're not making a foolish mistake and violating what God's word has to say. Now let's move on to step number three, and that is seek God first. And one of my favorite scriptures in dealing with seeking God first is found in Matthew chapter six and verse 33. I know I've used it in another podcast in a different area, but let's read that when it comes to seek God first. Once again, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 in the New Living Translation. It says right here, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. I guess that's pretty good instructions that God is going to give us everything that we need if we put him first, if we seek him first, and if we do that, he will provide for everything that we need. Now let me give an example of someone who violated that. I knew a man who worked with me at the bank. He was a really great guy and he was an operations officer just like I was years ago and he ran into financial problems. He didn't think the bank was paying enough money. So instead of seeking God, because he knew I was a Christian and he knew that I would want to give him some direction from God word, get him to church, be sure that his relationship with God is right. But no, he ran from that and he decided because the bank wasn't paying him enough money that he would just take money from other people's accounts. And so he would seek out elderly people who didn't use their accounts very much. They were very inactive accounts and he would steal thousands of dollars from their accounts. Well, sooner or later, they found out about it. The bank did. And when they found out he was taking money out of these elderly people's accounts, he figured, well, they won't miss it. Well, they did miss it and transferred it directly into his account. The bank found it, they prosecuted him, and he went to prison for five years. Now, that's obviously not seeking God. But see, when we seek God and his righteousness, then everything else will be taken care of. So step number three, a very crucial step is to seek God. Remember, step number one was to trust God. Step number two is to seek counsel. And step number three is to seek God first. Step four is found in Proverbs 3, 5, one of my absolute all-time favorites. You're going to say, All of your scriptures are your all-time favorites. Well, I guess I should just say I have a lot of favorites in the Word of God. Step number four is found in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 in the New Living Translation. Once again, it's about trust. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Verse 6, then it says, Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Now, the reason I want to put that one in there, even though I already talked a little bit about trust, this one talks about trusting God and not depending on our own understanding. Many times when we're seeking a financial blessing, we start reasoning it out in our own mind as to how we're going to do it and what we can do. We start thinking we got a good plan or a good way to go, and we should not trust in our own understanding, but we should trust, it says, in the Lord with all of our heart and don't depend on our understanding. And then it says, seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. You see, God's plan, once again, is to show you which plan to take, which direction to go. And when we do that, I believe he'll bring forth a financial blessing in our life. Okay, step number five, set a goal to give more to the work of the Lord and to others. I'm going to read from Luke chapter six and verse 38. It's a powerful scripture dealing with giving. And it's, here's the words of Jesus in the New Living Translation. Give and you will receive. I guess I could stop right there. If we give, we're going to receive. That doesn't necessarily mean if we give a dollar, we're going to get back $10. It does mean though, when we give with the right heart and the right purpose and the right motives, then God's going to bless us. He's going to give it back to us. It says your gift will return to you in full, 
not only just in full, but pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. So let's think about that one. My goodness, we are generous. If we are generous people, then we will be blessed and God will be generous to us. It's so crucial to understand that we should set a goal in our finances to be a generous person, to give of our finances to others, to not only our finances, but give our time and help someone. If the neighbor across the street has some trash laying in his yard that the dog knocked over the trash can, we should walk across the street and clean it up for him and help him with it. That's just simply one of the things we can do to be giving. I believe we should set a goal to give more to the work of the Lord, to helping others, and to reach out to others, and God will bless us and will prosper us. Now let's move on to step number six, and that's prepare a financial plan. Now this may be a tough one. That's why I pushed it down the road here a little bit because some people have a very difficult time with this particular one because preparing a financial plan is also known as a budget. Now a lot of people don't like the word budget. They look at it as a bad word. They think that somehow having a budget is a lacking trust in God and not trusting that God will take care of their needs or they're just simply lackadaisical about it and they don't want to take the time to set plan for their spending and to control their spending and meet the guidelines of a budget. I've always told my congregation this. The congregants always want the church to have a budget. I know the church that you go to, I'm sure that you want the church that you attend to have a good budget, to prepare their finances and to keep things in line. So therefore, if we want the church to have a good budget, then why don't we have a good budget? Budgeting is not a lack of trust in God or a lack of faith for God to provide. Budgeting is a good plan. That's part of the planning process. I worked for a bank for 15 years, and during that period of time, I had to do a budget. I had to prepare a budget that had to be approved by other people, and then I was required to live within that budget. I couldn't spend more than what the budget was approved for my particular branch location. I had to operate within it. And in my own finances, I've always believed in a budget, but I always believe that my budget at the very top should include giving 10% of my income to the Lord. I believe tithing is crucial to having a good budget. When we tithe, we put God first in our finances. Now, tithing is not just giving a dollar gift here or $10 there or $20 here. I believe that tithing is one-tenth of our income. Now, I know I've lost some of you on that because you're just simply having a problem with that. Well, let me just leave this thought with you. If you don't agree with tithing, then I guess you're going to basically say, I'm going to do things on my own and I'm not going to take a stand and put God first in my finances. Some people say, well, in tithing, do I give 10% of my income off of the gross income I make before taxes or after the net income that I make after taxes? So I would just put it this way. If you want to give 10% on your net, then you're only going to get blessed on that. If you want to give 10% on your gross income, you'll be blessed on that. Because one of the scriptures we read said, your blessing depends upon the amount of generosity or the giving that we have. So with that, I'll move on because I know a lot of people don't want to talk about tithes. So I'll take it up again sometime at a different podcast. Budgeting makes a better manager of our finances. Look at the lives of financial successfully people. They all budget. The people I know who are successful in life, they budget. Yeah, maybe they make a lot of money and they spend money more freely. But the reason that happened is because one time or another in their life, they set up a plan in their finances and they had a budget and they live within that budget and plan for emergencies and those things. I've written a book entitled Experience the Joy of Debt-Free Living. And in there, there's a wonderful series of of lessons and teachings and 
chapters on budgeting and keeping your budget in order, how to set one up properly. I'm not going to do that in this podcast, but if you'd like to get a hold of that, I'll talk about that at the end of this particular podcast. Let me give you another thought about preparing your financial plan. You should avoid something called impulse purchases. Now, in order to have a good budget, you should avoid impulse purchases. That means you're just out doing something and all of a sudden you say, well, I'm just going to pick that up or buy that. Impulse purchases are one of the most devastating things that can happen in your financial plan. For example, I knew a couple that would go out and purchase a car on an impulse. Literally, they hadn't planned on shopping for a car. They were just out driving around and they saw the car lots that they drove past, walked in. Next thing you know, they walked out with an $800 a month payment, hadn't planned for it, got home and realized that was a little bit too much and they regretted what they did. I know other people that have impulse purchases where they just off, just off the cuff at any time decide they're going to go out and spend a lot of money going out dinner or they're going to spend money in areas they hadn't planned for and it destroys their budgets. And you might not think that that's a big deal, but it is a big deal because if we're not faithful with little in our lives will not be faithful with much. So I encourage you to avoid impulse purchases to control your spending and to prepare a budget. Now the final step in my plan is step number seven and there's a scripture I'm going to use to lay that foundation and that is found in Proverbs chapter 21 and verse number five. It's in the New Living Translation and here are the words and this is a very powerful, very important step in the planning for financial prosperity. It says here, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. I tell you, I'm going to leave you with that particular one because that is a crucial item in preparing a plan for financial prosperity. A lot of people don't plan well and they're maybe not putting in as much hard work as they should. And the Bible warns us and says, without a plan and without hard work, you're not going to prosper. And then it says, and hasty shortcuts, meaning hasty speculation or quick decisions without planning lead to poverty. It's so important that we grasp a hold of that because that scripture is so crucial to people who start to get a little bit of success. All of a sudden, they're making more money. They're doing a little better financially. They're starting to prosper financially. And next thing you know, they want to go for something bigger and they want to get excited and they jump into some hasty speculative thing and they lose everything that they've gained before that. I've seen it over and over again. As a pastor, as a banker, as a real estate developer, all the things that I've done, I've seen people make those kind of decisions where they do well, but then all of a sudden they're thinking, well, this is easy. This is what we call a no-brainer. I'm just going to just do it quick and just make it happen fast and I'm going to make a lot of money fast. Well, that's there's a warning there and we should listen to that warning and it tells us basically that if we're not careful, If we don't have good planning and we don't work hard, then we can't prosper. So once again, I'm going to read this to you and wrap up this part of the podcast here with Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5. Good planning, we talked a lot about that, and hard work, we've talked about that, lead to prosperity. So I like that plan right there. But hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. So I just want to wrap this up by giving you a quick review of the seven steps. Step number one was trusting in the Lord. Step number two, seek counsel from godly Bible based teachers. Step three, to seek the Lord first. Step four was to trust God and lean not on our understanding. Step five was to set a goal to give more to the work of the Lord and to others. Step six was to prepare a financial plan, also known as a budget. And step seven, to have good plans, hard work, and that will lead to prosperity. So with that, I'm going to pray that God will bless you and bring forth prosperity in your life. Father, I pray that you would bless 
those who are listening in today. And I pray, Lord, that they would receive this teaching in a way that would help them with their finances. Lord, these seven steps are not everything there is to know about being successful financially. But Lord, they're crucial and have found them to be seven of the most vital steps we need to take to prosper. So I pray now that people would take this to their heart and to their work schedule and in their planning and that they would put together a plan that they would prosper financially. And I pray the Holy Spirit would help them and lead them as they go through it. And Lord, that they'd not take shortcuts in this, that all of these steps are crucial in developing a plan to succeed. I'll thank you for it now. And I believe you're going to do a great work in their life. And I give you all the glory and praise for it. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Now, if you'd like to get additional information on my teachings, because I've done an awful lot of teaching in the area of finance, I would encourage you to go to my webpage at davidcfriendauthor.com. And if you did that, when you pull that webpage up, you'll see on there a place where there's a link to all the podcasts that I've done. Now, I've done a lot of podcasts on a lot of subjects. This is the 154th one. And I'm just amazed at the tens and tens of thousands of people who've listened to these podcasts. And I pray that they've been a blessing. But if you want to go down that list on there, you'll see a list of the 154 podcasts that I've done. I'm sure there'll be something that'll be a blessing to you. Uh, Topics of faith and prosperity and generosity and things I believe that'll help you in your walk with God. In addition to that, on my webpage, you'll find a reference to the books that I've written. In this particular teaching, you might want to look at my book entitled Experience the Joy of Debt-Free Living. And there's a full teaching there on how to get out of debt and how you can turn your finances into something very successful. So in addition to that, if you would like to subscribe to my podcast, you can do that by going to cpnshows.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. So I hope this has been a blessing to you and I pray that the Lord will bless you in your finances as you serve him. My next podcast is entitled, Why God Wants You to Prosper Financially. I know he's going to bless it because we're using his word and he always blesses his word. So I'd like you to let someone know about this series we're teaching on prosperity and I know they'll be blessed by it. So let me just close with this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. May you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. So until next time, may God richly bless you in all that you do. Thank you for listening to Quality Christian Living.